0: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwein, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
1: Oh, hey there. It's Kristen. How are you doing? Are you ready for Hush? I have just a few items of news. Jenny has unfortunately lost her voice, so I'm here by myself. She's traveling. She hasn't actually lost her voice, but, you know, it seemed thematic at the very least. Since she's not here, I'm starting a new segment, so she has no say in whether we do it or not because now it's begun, called Spooky News. I'm starting this segment. I mean, it is almost Halloween, but also, like, we do a show about vampires. And also, also, last week... Two teenage girls baked the ashes of one of their grandfathers into sugar cookies and brought those cookies to school and some of the students ate them knowing that they were ash cookies and some of them ate them not knowing that they were eating ash cookies and I can't stop thinking about it. I want to make sure you know about it. I understand that um, there's a lot of complicated pieces of this whole story, but at the end of the day, I just pictured Regina George and Wednesday Adams coming together, falling in love having a baby, raising the baby, and then this is that baby. Like it just it just baking your relatives ashes into sugar cookies and bringing them to school is definitely it just needs to be like in a future teen movie. I I think. So that's my vote. I also wanted to let you know that when I looked up the story just now uh, to find out if I needed to share any other details with you, it looks like the people over at Live Science, either Live Science or Livescience.com, I don't know, they talked to a microbiologist, Rolf Halden, who's the director of the Center for Environmental Health Engineering at Arizona State University's Biodesign Institute, who let us know that there's actually not a health concern from eating the ashes of a human being in a cookie. So, you know, in case you had interest, in case your interest was piqued, in case you wanted to know some of the science behind this, um, in the cremation process, the any sort of like uh, bacteria or disease or anything like that uh, it's gone. So these, these sugar cookies, although, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of moral questions surrounding this story. Uh, they were safe. They would, they were not going to hurt anybody. Uh, and I for one really would like to meet these two girls. I just want to know what the motivation was. What was the story? Where did it come from? How did it happen? You know, anyhow, let's get to some news relevant to buffering the vampire slayer. First of all, I want to remind everyone that we now have socks buffering the Vampire Slayer socks. You heard me, right? We also have a new t-shirt that's like a football jersey t-shirt that says Buffy Forever on the front and Summer's 01 on the back. It's real nice. It's done in Sunnydale colors. And then, of course, we have all of the regular things that you're accustomed to by now. Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy, support your local girl gang, support your local alewife. I mean, you know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, support to be given out there. So you can find all of that by going to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on shop. The holidays are approaching, not just Halloween. Okay, this is what happens when Jenny's not here, I sing. Another thing that I want to talk to you about is that last week, our sister podcast, Angel on Top, put out their episode for Hero. And listen, All of the episodes of Angel on Top are phenomenal, and I love the show Angel, but I want to talk to you about the fact that when we get to I Will Remember You and we turn the corner to Hero, we're getting into some really good shit over in Angel Land. So if you have not watched the series or if you haven't started a rewatch with us, I just want to tell you, as someone who's doing it, you should do it. The episode that Brittany and Laura put out for Hero was brilliant and beautiful and wonderful. I'm not going to tell you too many details about it, but there are some things that are like wow, but I don't want to spoil them for you. So if you haven't yet gotten on the Angel on Top train, I highly recommend getting on now. Two other things, uh, not really related to trains, unless you're going to take a train to London or to Seattle. Uh, Jenny and I will be out at the Vampire Ball in London from November 30th to December 2nd, and you can join us there. Not only can you join us, but you can join people like, I don't know, James Marsters, Julie Benz, So many cast people from the show are gonna be there. Also, from January 19th to 20th, we'll be in Seattle at PodCon, where you won't find as many actors from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but you will find literally so many of your favorite podcasters, uh, including us, if you like us. I mean, you're listening now, so I'm hoping you like us, but time will tell. So please join us at one of those two events or both. You know what? If you're really feeling it, join us at both. Uh, Again, that's November 30th to December 2nd at the Vampire Ball in London and January 19th to the 20th at PodCon in Seattle. Now, I am going to break a wooden box so that Jenny can get her voice back and we can get into this episode.
2: And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen
1: Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And this week we're talking about season four, episode 10. Hush. I didn't have a plan, but I was like, maybe I'll just never talk again. Maybe This is like an hour and a half of a silent episode. Complete silence. Sure. Uh, Stay tuned to the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us, recapping the Buffy episode we're discussing. And this week, we didn't write the song, did we, Jenny? Well, not exactly. Uh, Some of us did and some some of us didn't. Some of us did and Some of us didn't. I did not. Uh, Jenny, of course, did. And who did you get to work with?
2: I got to write this episode's song with Friend of the Pod and excellent dude, Rishikesh Hirwe, who uh, you may know from his podcast's Song Exploder and the West Wing Weekly, his musical projects, the 1AM Radio and Moore's. And also, oh my God, he scored Kristen's new favorite show, Ugh. Everything Sucks. Oh, I love it so much. And uh, I love
1: Rishi so much.
2: He's the best. I had the greatest time of all times Uh, Yeah. Making this jam with him.
1: And Jenny, now is a great time maybe to let you know. I know we're like really going off script here, but this is a big episode. We're going to do a lot of things differently than we normally do. And one thing that we want to tell you is that Hush is a pretty big deal. Um, We were able to interview Doug Jones. We were able to (laughs) interview Camden Toy. Those (laughs) are the two lead gentlemen. Ah! Okay. Uh, not only that, but we also sat down with Rishi. I talked to you both about the creation of this song and some of the really rad shit that you did. Not only that, but we also have Kate Leth with us this week Thank doing God. an ASMR fashion watch. Jenny was going to explain to me what ASMR actually is. I get it. It's like it's like sex for your ears. Is I, that that what is, it is no. I,
2: I feel like. The ASMR community might not like I have no idea.
1: That's just, like, what I perceived.
2: Let's not look it up. Let me just try to explain it to (laughs) you. Okay,
1: great. It's people talking
2: really quietly. Oh. And sometimes making noises like crinkly noises or like brushes on microphones and it's, it's like, just, like satisfying. all of this like the stuff that like makes your like scalp tingle right. and makes you like relax and stuff
1: right so why is that why is sex for your ears not accurate it seems accurate still to me okay i i'm open to that i just don't want to offend pleasure anyone. for your ears <laughs> uh so we had so much content and, and obviously, Jenny and I have like 400 pages of notes to talk to you about because it's Naturally. fucking hush. So we're actually going to do two episodes. <gasps> I know. Not one, but two. Uh, we're going to do our regular hush discussion of the episode with Kate and with a, a snippet of our interview with Doug Jones. But then next week for Halloween. Oh, <laughs> sorry, a little earlier, woo here. <laughs> uh, but next week, we're going to do the full interview with Doug, the full interview with Camden, the interview with Rishi, and the second version of the song, which we'll, you'll learn you'll learn about it. You'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. We, we really should get back on script, for goodness sake. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, one thing I want to say, uh, after letting you know about the song that we write every week, is that if you haven't yet started listening to our Angel podcast, Angel on Top, hosted by Brittany, Ashley, and Laura Zack what are you doing? Are you if, you're, if
2: you're waiting for an invitation, this is your invitation.
1: It, it is. And last week, their episode was Hero, which is a... Fucking <laughs> incredible episode <sighs> of Angel! Like, shit, and Angel is really starting to pick up the pace. Yeah, yeah, it's getting so intense. you over might want to jump on that Get on wagon. That. Get on over there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whew. Okay, well, shall we proceed? Hush was written and directed by Joss Whedon, with cinematography by Michael Gershman and original score work by Christoph Beck. It originally Ugh. aired on December fourteenth. 1999, just three days Thank before Kristen Turn <laughs> 19.
1: Thank you. You're not the only one with a birthday <laughs> around here. True. God damn it. True. Uh, this is the one. This is the one with the gentleman. Like, let's just. This is
2: the one with the gentleman. This is the one where. uh, This is the one with Tara. This is the one with Tara. This is the one with that wild vending machine. This is the one. With the overhead projector. Oh, my
3: God.
1: (laughs) This is the one where Olivia's back in town. Oh, yeah. But according to Boring IMDb, this (laughs) is the one where when everyone in Sunnydale loses their voice, the Scooby gang must silently solve the mystery of the monsters who stole their ability to speak. This is the one about communication. This is the one about sex and love. This is the one where Buffy kisses Riley, or for the Riley first time in kisses. a dream,
2: and then also for the first time,
1: IRL. Yes, and also they get some theme music. Okay, we have we just yeah 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 yeah. Okay. I'm getting just, ahead of myself because I am, as you can tell, very excited. excited.
2: Yeah. Uh, so why don't we just. Why don't we just jump right in? Yeah, Annie? yeah. I also just want to let everybody listening know that um, in preparation for this, I took regular notes on a regular watch this episode like five times in the last yeah. few weeks uh, because working with Rishi and preparing for this. And I also have uh, spent some time with the director's commentary. So I'm going to be interjecting uh, small bits... Uh, from what Joss has to say about the episode in the director's commentary on the DVD special.
1: Yeah, yeah. We did a lot more research. I also read a a bunch of articles. I sort of combed through things. We wanted to make sure that we were catching all that we could catch because this is one of the best episodes of the entire series. Uh, it's, It's regaled. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Regaled as one of the top episodes. Oh wait, of no, the no, no, no! It's
2: not. That's you regale someone with a with a story, a, a thrilling retelling oh. of something that happened. What is it?
1: It's a renat. It's something- renowned. Yes. Well, it's a renowned episode, but it's it's recognized. Maybe. Sure. Recognized. Worldly. Wi- wildly. Worldly. <laughs> What just happened? <laughs> widely. Are you okay? Yeah. It's widely recognized as one of the top episodes of Buffy. And For sure. in my memory, of course, I've only seen it through once, the series. But in my memory, Hush is, uh, I think, my second favorite episode of all of them. Um, my first favorite episode being an episode in season five. Mm-hmm. Take your, take your guesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So... All that to say, this is some serious shit. This episode was nominated. It was the only episode of Buffy nominated for an Emmy for writing. Hell yeah. Which is doubly brilliant because, of course, there is how many minutes of that? You know, like the majority of the episode has no dialogue. Okay. So
2: we open. (laughs) 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 Ah, yes. It's time to go back to the Psych 101 lecture hall. Uh, where Professor Walsh is doing this whole language versus communication thing, and she's like, hmm, need a volunteer,
1: Buffy. Right. And she says, I mean, like, this episode is crafted in every way brilliantly. The first lines of the episode were were obviously we're in a dream sequence here. And I think... This might be my number two dream sequence. Number one, of course, being Faith, Buffy, and the cat. Oh, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I think it's re- done really powerfully. It makes me very uncomfortable, but I think that's the point. Right, right. Um, and it opens on Walsh saying, talking about communication, talking about language, that's not the same thing. The thoughts and experiences that we don't have a word for it. So she sort of talks about like how the moment that you like, realize an idea before you put it into words is like the biggest, most powerful thing thing, Mm. it's really poignant and it's really, it sets us up. There are a few things that set us up for what this episode is about, which is kind of that, like that talking isn't necessarily the best way to communicate or the, like when sometimes when we have the ability to speak, we don't communicate. Right, right, right. Right.
2: This is not about communication, but can we just talk really quickly about what Buffy is wearing? Yeah, we can. In this scene, um, I like wrote down like, what the hell is up with this. She's like got an asymmetrical shirt and a matching, like Bracelet. silken cuff. <laughs> in the, this is like maybe not the most uh, insightful thing, but in the commentary track, uh, Joss refers it refers to it as a Flintstone looking shirt, pebbles, and bam bam.
1: <laughs> I mean, it. it is. Yeah,
2: it totally looks like pre sewing machines. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like cut that and uh, yeah, fashioning it up. things to wrap around your body from the animals that you. The turquoise animal that you hunted. And right,
1: right, right, right. So Professor Walsh is like, Buffy, why don't you come and lie down on my desk? Yes, the word every, you know, when you start
2: college, you know, eventually you're going to hear that sentence. Lie down on my desk. Right, I'm like,
1: what? <laughs> and then she looks at Riley and she says, be a good boy. And then Buffy says, if I kiss you, it'll make the sun go. No, it, no Riley, Riley says. says if I kiss you, it'll make the sun go down. And what uh, my biggest question is: What the fuck is going on with Buffy? You know what I mean? Like, is Buffy in Buffy's subconscious? Obviously, we're getting to the the prophetic part of the dream. But right, right. Before we get to the prophetic part of the dream, you love know, love
2: is inextricably intertwined with uh, darkness, or maybe yeah, passion. But how does
1: why is Walsh being sexy in her in her date okay, d- night so, dream day night sleeping daydream?
2: I think that maybe your interpretation is that Walsh is being sexy. <laughs> well, Walsh is being like I think Walsh is being a simultaneously
1: like evocative narrator. I don't know. This gave me like secretary vibes, you know? Like, go file that paper. <sighs> and yeah, I, which like and and we're not yucking anyone's yum, but it, it like I think because it Just was for Walsh, a pr- professorial. It made me feel uncomfortable. I felt in Buffy's dream that Walsh was real attracted to Buffy and Riley it's making out. You didn't get
2: that? No, I just thought it was all illustrative. Ugh.
1: like, mm, t- I guess my mind is in the gutter. Well, or I'm just oblivious. <laughs> Well, don't worry, Jenny, because we're gonna turn the corner into some Freddy Krueger shit in the uh-huh. stream. Uh-huh. Can't even shout, can't even cry, <laughs> the gentlemen are coming. Sounds a lot like one, two, Freddy's coming for yeah. you. Also sung by small girls with bleach blonde hair. Totally. So, so this is like you know you know I like to punch up a Freddy reference when I can, and that's what's happening here. Just very very Freddy, which is of course I mean as we'll talk about this the gentleman this whole episode is sort of fairy tale based, and I feel like Freddy Krueger is rooted in a very similar like e- like
2: um it's like so sort of the intersection of uh, fairy tale and urban legend. Right. Freddy Krueger. Right. Exactly. So yes, she. She's, like, staring this girl down. He's singing this creepy song, of course, holding a weird little wooden box. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Riley puts his hand on her shoulder. But then when she turns...
1: Dun, dun, <gasps> dun! Oh, you're right. You know what's funny is that, like, at, when I took my notes, I was like, ooh, this is the first time we see the gentleman's feet. And ooh, this is the first time we see the gentleman's face. But that's outside of her dream. I forgot that we right, see the right. face in her dream first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, this is we see the, the face... We see the face of a Doug Jones. Uh, And then Buffy wakes up. (laughs) Because, of course, it's terrifying. And that's kind of what happens at the scariest part of a dream, unless you're in Nightmare on Elm Street. And then you die. Right, right, right. But if you're not in Nightmare on Elm Street, you wake up. You wake up and your friends make fun of you because you were sleeping in class. Yes. And so, like, you know, Willow's making fun of Buffy. And then they go out into the hall and Riley's making fun of Buffy. And Willow's like, gotta go do a thing. Yeah, Because Willow smooth. In Willow's entire life, she has never thought of one possible reason for her to leave. Like, ever. (laughs) She's always literally like, gotta go do oh, do a thing. <laughs> it's like you've had all these mess ups. You think at one point in her you life. You just come up with one, one. story. <laughs> Gotta go file my nails. Gotta go change my shoelaces. Gotta go study at the library. Tie dye my shirt.
2: Ooh, okay. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I'm just spitballing here. So <laughs> Willow turns into like a flirt detective. Detective Willow. Willow. She's, like, hiding behind a fucking notebook that's Dude, open to it's see a lot. what's happening. Dude. It's, yeah, it's a lot. It's really funny. And I just want to say that the, like, level of sex sexting, it's not sexting because they're not texting, but I don't know why. It, they're, Riley and Buffy's conversation made me think S- sulking. of sexting. Salking. S- S- oh, like walking? Like sexy uh, walking? Uh, d- uh, talking. Oh, so... <laughs> But, like, I'm sorry. Buffy's like, or uh, Riley is like, Was I in your dream? And Buffy's like, Yeah. And he's like, Is that right? And then oh my God, she's yeah. like, You These had a like, cameo, more like a feature role. And I'm like, Get yeah, it? Like, um, romantic leave. Right? They're like, It's just pretty get hot a, and yeah. heavy for like hallway conversation. Yeah, for two people who can't get it together to fucking kiss in the next scene. <laughs> exactly. It's a lot. Exactly. But, and, and this is like, we hit the theme a few times in the, in the episode before they lose their voices. We hit it with Buffy and Riley uh, first. Then we hit it with, what, Xander and Anya. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we hit it with somebody else. So well, we'll get there. We, uh, I guess, I think Willow and, and Tara in the, in the Wicca group, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they, it, sort of like we're seeing illustrated... That words are not necessarily helping people in this episode get to where they need to get to. And we see it happen the first time here with Riley and Buffy, where they're of course keeping a major secret from each other. He doesn't know she's a slayer. Right. She doesn't know he's G.I. Joe. You know, G.I. What I mean? Joe. <laughs> uh, so they go out and like, I don't even know what Oh, th- she's
2: all like patrolling. I mean petroleum. And he's right. all like grading papers. And she's they're maybe gonna kiss. And then she's like, what papers? Yeah. What papers are you grading? We had finals we- already. Whatever. They're like lying to each other. It's a whole thing. Listen, I need to just go back for one second because we didn't talk about when they actually kiss in, oh, the, in dream. the dream. Uh go back if you will and just observe how big Mark Blukas's hand is oh, brother. on Sarah Michelle Geller's body. He basically could like <laughs> he could like dunk with her. <laughs> His hands are so big on her tiny body. The end. Thanks There's for listening. There's probably a fanfic
1: that involves d- d- Buffy being dunked. <laughs> out Backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. Uh, I'm glad we went there, though. And, um, right, and the scene ends, right, with Buffy basically g- tangling herself in her words, them being, like, awkward and not kissing which was about to happen and i'm kind of glad they didn't because it like just didn't seem like a great place for your first kiss seems like a very yeah, seventh like... grade place for your first kiss
3: yeah right
1: outside of the classroom
2: you need some mood lighting yeah
1: just a little bit
2: um i just want to pop in here with some uh commentary from joss oh right around this point in the episode he's talking about um how he uh outlined the whole episode but he like didn't even though he, like, knew all of the plot points, he didn't know, like, what it was about, like, emotionally or, like, at the human core or whatever. And he was, like, talking about how, like, when he, once he started, like, actually writing, he was, like, figuring out the whole, like, uh, oh, when people stop talking, they start communicating. Blah, blah, blah. Um, he said something very specific that I just want to repeat that I thought was a cool sentence. Yeah. Uh, he said, as soon as you say something, you've eliminated every other
1: possibility of what you might be talking about. Ah. That's like basically what Walsh is saying. It's, yeah, it's totally. The moment that, th- that you have the thought before it becomes a word is so much more powerful than, than when you try the, to
2: the word effectively write, communicate it.
1: Which is probably why poetry was invented, right, Jenny? Oh my gosh. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, and music, like, uh, it's still, there's still truth in the fact that before you speak it, it's probably more powerful in, than it is in, in any form. In your, in your mind, in your imagination, the reason why I tend to always love a book more than the movie created from the book. Because, you know, what I make in my mind, although that is involving words I'm reading off of paper, but the, it's like the reverse. It's like I read the words off the paper and in my mind it becomes something so large.
2: Right. And I
1: sort of can't ever be communicated or contained in a form. Our, our minds are more powerful than anything that we can speak.
2: Totally. And like once you see Daniel Radcliffe, there's like no further, your brain is like, aha, this is Harry Potter. Yes. Forever will Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter be intertwined in my mind. And like that, like some corner of the thing which previously existed in your imagination has become like
1: cemented, like blunted or. Right. Well, and like the other pieces are sort of like t- tamped down to mm-hmm, fit mm-hmm. within Daniel Radcliffe. Sure, sure. Right. <laughs> Well, it makes me think of, and not to get too, I mean, we have so much to talk about here, but my, the the first time I had that experience, and I know we're sort of like a little removed from what the actual concept here was, but I read Misery as a kid, and I was so scared by that book that I threw it across the room a couple of times while reading. It was, I think, like... You love throwing books across the room. Well, I I used to throw Jenny's books across the room, but that was just for fun. (laughs) I mean, it's just like it was funny. It was funny when she was reading Game of Thrones to pick the book out of her hands, throw it across the room and laugh. <laughs> yeah. And funny. see her get annoyed. That's the word hilarious. that I would pick. Uh-huh. So this was a fear throw. And I think it was my most visceral experience with a, a book at the, up till that point. I was like 13 or 14 or something. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the movie and I was so excited to watch the movie. And I was so let down. And the movie is you know so movie respected. Yeah. yeah, Kathy Bates like come on it's but it just couldn't hold a candle to the fear that I had instilled like within myself totally. in my own imagination. Totally. Hey, speaking of
2: poetry from a minute ago, (laughs) don't you just love watching Giles uh, recite this poem from
1: Buffy's dream? Oh my God! Also, Giles's desk is in the middle of the room, and I—Dude, I know. I didn't ever notice it until this episode. I don't know if it ever has. I feel like it it has because the camera always gets it from all angles. I mean, I guess that (sighs) we definitely have had the ability to realize this before this episode. Mm, I think
2: I blame them. I think they've moved (laughs) things around.
1: But, like, it's also kind of cool to have a desk in the middle of the room. Is it? Yeah. I think so. It, it's a little, like, centerpiece. It's yeah, I don't know. The heart of Giles' apartment is his desk where he works.
2: Anyway, this is my favorite <laughs> episode of The Odd Couple. <laughs> yes. Love seeing these two roommates from different worlds working
1: it out. Spike crumbling up weedabix in his blood for the texture. So gross. Sick. sick, sick, sick. But also hilarious.
2: Um, we've got, then we've got Xander and Anya. Yeah, so they.
1: Right. You don't listen to what I say. This is shitty. This is actually where we're going to get our first patriarchy jingle, I believe. Because Anya's like, you don't listen to what I say. You don't care about how I feel. And fucking Xander says, you really did turn into a real girl. Yeah, pick your moments, dude. of this patriarchy moment to Anya. And so Anya is not thwarted by this bullshit. And she comes right back to him and says, see, you make jokes about my pain. Uh Like, she's uh fucking on it because she's Anya. But these two, this is kind of like number two hitting it over the head. Their words are not expressing what they feel inside. Well, that's not true. Anya is expressing very clearly. but Well, yeah, I
2: think Anya is like kind of like the most effective communicator in a way or like the most Willing communicator because newly human, she's basically like a baby. Yeah, except she has like hot baby, (laughs) hot hot baby. (laughs) God damn it, she's like she's like an infant in that her emotions are all like brand relatively. You know, they feel brand new to her because it's been a thousand years since she was a human. So she's just like. Totally like riding every single wave that happens and she has no reservations and she has the, you know, the ability to use language to communicate. Yeah. Right. Versus like a baby who just cries. You dumb baby.
1: (laughs) Uh, We we take Anya's uh, like forthcoming speech to the next level. When she walks inside, (laughs) she's like, all you care about is lots of orgasms. And Xander goes into his own turtle shell, a turtle (laughs) shell of his own making. Uh, And Spike is like, tell me more. Yeah, go on. I want to hear more about Xander's Xander's orgasms. And then, this is a whole, like, we don't even know, I don't even know where the sex arrows are hitting in this scene. Because then Xander says to Giles, my mom said you wanted me to swing by. And I say, ahem, um, what? So does this mean that Giles and Xander's mother are still in communication since the raspberry fruit punch? I think that Mrs.
2: Harris just picked up the phone when Giles called and Xander wasn't home. You don't think Giles was like, took it's a Mr. Giles?
1: I don't think sure he is missing because your raspberry fruit I punch.
2: I think that Mr. Giles is. Uh, probably preoccupied with his incoming visitor. Yes. Which he is about to tell us about. But before he does, I want to in- inject one more um, uh, piece of commentary. Uh huh. So Joss is talking over the scene where uh, Xander and-, and Anya are having this whole conversation, like before they go into the house, and he's you know, talking about how they're not communicating with each other, even though they're like saying a bunch of words and right. And he just like stops in the middle of a sentence and is like,
1: oh, hey, they're having a weird hair phase. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, actually, Which, accurate. <laughs> and Anya and Willow are really starting to like find the same hair groove at this point. They've got very similar hair. Yeah,
2: I think they're uh, the lines on that chart, on that graph.
1: Yeah. They, are, they meet they, and they then met, immediately and now they're going to diverge. diverge once more. <laughs> um, so, of course, Anya, Giles says, Yo, Spike is staying at your place. And they're all like, And Sandra's like,
2: What? And Spike's like, What? And Anya's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> I love that they, like, stacked it in order of
1: indignance. Yeah, totally. And fucking Giles is like, I have a friend coming. <laughs> and Anya's like, an orgasm friend. And it's like, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh for Olivia. Oh for orgasm wow. friend. There it is, folks. And Olivia is coming back to town. Ugh, Olivia all... is such a ba- Okay.
2: I mean, She's Olivia such a babe. is...
1: Olivia might be the babeliest of all the babes in Sunnydale. I mean, she doesn't live in Sunnydale, which is maybe why. Because she has time to, like, you know, like center herself. and Sure, what have sure. you. She's not always fighting evil. Um, and then this episode is just ridiculous. We cut right from Olivia, the orgasm friend, heading back to Sunnydale to the Wicca group. Now, when I take Whew. notes, Jenny, I write classroom, uh, Giles' house. I write where the scene happens. Sure, sure, this sure. This sure. one got all caps. Wicca group, hell yes. I got so <laughs> excited that I couldn't even contain the, the like, category uh, or the scene of this. Sure, sure. We come together, daughter of Gaia. Yeah, you fucking do. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, you do, you stupid witches. These witches make no sense. Jenny, they make no sense at all. I mean, I think
2: it's weird to even refer to them as witches. Right, because they're not.
1: And Willow is like us, you know, being like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, that's yeah, the yeah. expression on her face. They're all like, Mom, I'm going to make an empowering lemon bun. I'm so mad about it. And like, first of all, oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm getting carried away. I just, you know, mow over me, Jenny, if you need to mow over me. But I'm just, I have a lot of feelings about... The Wicker group. I have a lot of feelings about Tara. Who's that girl with the zigzag part? The zigzag motherfucking part. is something I have a few things I remember from the series. You know what I remember? That fucking zigzag. Zab. Zigzag. That zigzag. That zigzag part is everything. Yeah, it makes an impression. So we see that. And then the fucking Wicca group is busy making fun of alewives, Jenny. The Wicca group! How dare they? This isn't like the epitome for like some of the shitty stuff that happens in queer culture. You know what I mean? Like, Uh I mean, in any, in any, like, it just, you're like, guys, did you read your fucking, but did you do, why are you in this group? Why? Yeah, right. what are they all doing there? What are they, they, they making they want, empowering lemon buns? I right, guess. it's like it's like kind of like when you go to a yoga class and the whole thing is like athletic. And you're oh like, yeah, they're, hey. they,
2: they're playing like Britney Spears music and being like, now do twenty crunches. Yeah, and you're like, what? uh, That's not
1: did, like. Did you read anything about like where the foundational practice of yoga is originated from? You do know that like yoga is done to like get us in the mindset so we can meditate. Like it's not about. That's how I feel about this Wicked Group. This is how Willow feels about this Wicked Group. And Tara, although she really doesn't have a way with her words, uh, is is also feeling like shit about this Wicked Group. And and Totally. Willow and Tara, they have a connection here. This is their first connection. Yeah. Where they're like, how about spells? And like they're fucking so rude to Tara. Tara, ha- Tara stutters. Oh, my God. Right? Like, Tara has a stutter and also, like, you know, is, like, anxious. you mean, just tell right, from the, right out of the gates with her. Uh-huh. <sighs> but she, you know, she's got some stuff. And the stupid other girl is just like, everybody be quiet. Yes, Tara. And I want to take her eyeballs yes. and yank them out of her. Why didn't the gentleman cut out that bitch's heart is what I want to know. That
2: is a good question. Ooh. Um, sorry, Jenny. I just
1: <laughs> no, no. You're just.
2: I get it. That's i so exciting. I get it. It's very exciting. <laughs> okay. Um, a little bit more from the commentary track. Joss talks about how he wanted to introduce uh, a couple people in this episode who aren't experienced in this world, so they could. He would. Ha- we would have like an audience proxy for like childlike terror. So we have Olivia uh. and we have Tara, and we're like invested in them. Because we see people that we care about caring about them. Ooh, that gave me the chill. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. but they
1: right. They aren't like well-versed demon hunters right, and right, vampire. Right. Yeah. He
2: also talks about Tara being introduced here as kind of like a new Willow. Because Willow mm-hmm. has gotten so confident and right. um, you know is continuing to like expand her power and like she And feels yet Amy's still a rat. The deprioritization <laughs> of turning Amy back into a human right? is one of the the biggest most upset it is a Sunnydale bombshell. It is fucked up. Who who benefits? Who profits from keeping Amy a rat? It
4: really is so
2: I posit that Willow benefits most from Ooh. keeping Amy a rat because she's the most
1: the, powerful. The most
2: powerful witch in Sunnydale. Wow. Wow. Okay.
1: Wow. This episode is this getting is, us to so yeah. many places. Yeah, that's not. For, I didn't mean to, to discuss, derail you. I
2: just I think about it all the time, <laughs> especially Wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like, why haven't they well, fucking dealt with Amy? Just like watching Something Blue four times or whatever, yeah. like in a short span of time, I was like, God damn it! How did they've got her in the cage? Willow's doing more spells all the time. Right. Giles is a fucking grown ass man who's been working with the dark arts for. Who knows how many decades? Right. Somebody get that girl back to humanhood.
1: <laughs> I am pissed. Okay. Thank you for uh, listening. Yes. Um, so Willow's w- talking, like, Willow's talking, unpacking with Buffy about yeah, the yeah. group nowadays. She's Every like, girl, oh,
2: I'd, I'd like to float something bigger than a pencil someday. Oh, like a vending machine, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing.
1: Uh- <laughs> Uh, yo, a little tiny question I have here. Yeah. That goddamn Dingo's poster is still up on the goddamn wall. She
2: still cares about Even us. after
1: everything that we witnessed in Something Blue, she has the poster up She still, still cares about us. Oh, I just feel like in order for her to move on, she's got to take the poster down, sure. Jenny. Yep, yep, and burn it. Oh, You know what my next note is? <clears throat> uh. What? Sweaty hunks for Jenny is what I... <laughs> That's what I already Hell, wrote yeah.
2: <laughs> that should be my next note. <laughs> but instead, it's Riley telling Forrest Buffy is special. And he yeah. says, I didn't hear you the first 486 times, which means this is the 487th time, which means that if he tells him two more times, it'll be 489 times, and that will be 420 plus 69 in the end. What the fuck just <laughs> happened? Hell, map."
1: Hell math. Jenny, that was some some me wondering what the hell you're doing. (laughs) Hell math. But thank you for it. You're welcome. Uh, Also, you know, Forrest saying to Riley, like, thank God we're pretty. And like, he doesn't like Buffy. And a lot of you have written into us. To be like, uh, could you please talk about the fact that Forrest is in love with Riley? <gasps> so, I just, <laughs> a <sighs> gasp I could only come from a girl who doesn't read our email. <laughs> 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 Why, I never. <laughs> so, I just want to put a pin in this, and I think we should all watch it as uh, See if the anything develops. Unfolds, you know, yeah. Can we please
2: talk about the Spike and Xander sleepover? Oh my God, Because, yes. okay, because first of all, where did Xander get that amazing chair? I want it so yeah, bad. It's a good okay. Chair. Incredible
1: chair. Great chair to be tied. Second to. of all,
2: he ties Spike to it all good and tight,
3: facing his bed like <laughs> three feet away. Dude, why?
1: <laughs> why? Why? Also, like, I know Spike's like the enemy or whatever, but like, give the dude a magazine or something. Like, is he just going <laughs> to sit there all night watching Xander sleep? Like, <laughs> and then we get Spike like imitating Olive. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I feel like Spike has like one imitation of a lady and it's always the same <laughs> yeah, voice. <laughs> yeah. My next note is hi Olivia.
2: Yeah. No, small talk, here. you think,
1: hell yeah, baby. Olivia's like, let's get down to fucking business. Oh, her accent is so great. Her everything is so. Great. Uh, and that's really, that whole scene was just for us to scream about Olivia. Yeah, she was. Then rocks. we go to the fucking clock tower. A whole different kind of screaming will come out of this location. Sure, yes. Uh, the first scene, again, skipping, <clears throat> uh, not taking, not counting when we saw the gentleman in the dream, because it's now real life. The first thing we see that introduces us Ugh. to them Brr. is this hands slowly moving to the wooden box opening the box and like I'm doing it for Jenny. Jenny's like looking looking at me like you're out of your mind because I'm like I can't talk about it without like doing it doing but of course it. I can't do it because I'm not a trained mime. Um, uh-huh. But it's so powerful. Yeah it's so great and creepy and it reminds me of the time that I got
2: a music box for Christmas and I was so excited and then I opened it and then all of the voices in my whole town got sucked into <laughs> wow, it. Wow I can't believe you was... never
1: told me this story before. Yeah isn't
2: that wild That's that like crazy. the same thing happened to me? It was such a like caper, like, you know, it was <laughs> such a hassle to get every to return all of the voices individually. I uh, went door to door, it was a whole thing.
1: But this is creepy shit. And, and the, you know, Doug Jones is also, uh, plays a very important role in Hocus Pocus. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And this, the way their voices are stolen visually is nearly identical to how the souls are visually stolen oh, yeah. in Hocus Pocus. You see this sort of like white mist be sucked out. It's also similar yeah. to, I think, how Kathy was stealing Buffy's <gasps> soul. Um, just a, a common effect in the late 90s. Sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, they just d- figured out how to do that <laughs> yeah. affordably. Everybody was like, do that ghost effect, man. Do that yeah. ghost yeah. out of the mouth effect. Uh, so we see the voices of Sunnydale be stolen. We pan through many of the voices being st- stolen. My favorite is a postcoital coital ah. Giles and Olivia. We get so much Giles and Olivia post-sex in this episode. Like they fought like many times.
2: Well, she's just in town for a limited time. And
1: desperate times call for desperate. Oh, yeah. It's like a double whammy of uh-huh. reasons to screw, you know. Sure. Uh <laughs> also I just want to say that the clock tower was built specially for yeah. this scene on the lot. They modified an existing house. Yeah. And it's, it's very powerful with the shutters or like not shutters, but like sort of the boards over the windows. Yeah.
2: And like the clock face is like a little it's kind of like a little too big for like you yes. would never see a clock tower actually built like that, which makes it feel more very like a fairy tale. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Do
2: we know where that is that supposed to be on the campus or is it supposed to be? Is it is I think it's, it's just in Sunnydale, like in the town? He talks in the commentary a lot about like you, we see these these shots that we've never seen. Like the budget for this episode must have been bonkers yeah. because they built out. Um, a street like in a way that we've never seen. We always see the same little chunk of State Street all the time, but they built out like this whole neighborhood around the clock tower, right? Right, And we're able to see like way more uh, of a span of town at one time in this episode than ever before.
1: Do you think that the clock tower continues to exist in Sunnydale or do you think that like it, it just t- appeared and, overnight right and then like disappears it kind of feels like that when their right? heads explode can't wait to get there <laughs> but right it does it feel and maybe that's maybe partially that's because of what you're saying that like we've never seen any of these angles before We so we're like is this Sunnydale or like where are we because we really have been seeing the same shots right similar shots for many seasons now Um, And so we're about 14 minutes into the episode when the voices get taken. Well, 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 well. And a few, we hear a few voices, uh, but not from our Scoobies, not from people in Sunnydale, but like the new, there's like the news or whatever. But for the most part, this is when we stop with dialogue. And also it's where we fucking pan to the gentleman's face (gasps) and we see that Fucking smile. Oh my God. And. We got the chance to talk to Doug Jones. We've mentioned it a couple of times already. Um, We got the chance to talk to Camden Toy. We're going to play for you just a little bit of the Doug Jones interview now, but we'll have a second episode next week where we'll play the full interview with Doug, the full interview with Camden, and a special interview with Rishi. But I want you guys to hear just a little bit about this, especially this piece, because these smiles were initially, and you can see, I mean, I'm kind of repeating what's going to be in the thing, but... You can see that the other gentlemen, that not the two leads, not Camden and Doug, but the other ones, their smiles are in their masks or whatever. Right, right. But Camden and Doug, that's their smile. So let's hear a little bit from, oh, the amazing, brilliant Doug Jones. Doug Jones, our entire buffering verse is beside themselves, literally, that you're talking with us today. So thank you so much for taking the time out to be here with all of us.
5: Well, thank you for that beside yourself reaction. I was not expecting that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Internet doesn't lie. And I shared with the Internet that you and I were going to be speaking today. And I think it's one of our most liked tweets in all of history. So (laughs) that's just a little nod to how beloved your character is in the Buffyverse.
5: Oh, that's very kind. I've Just one episode. I was never expecting that, you know?
1: <laughs> yes, but what an episode. We're in, obviously, you know, season four, and people have just been waiting and waiting and waiting for us to get to Hush. The gentlemen are notorious. They, they embody, as you know, this silent, slow-moving horror that is the stuff of my nightmares. I think many of our nightmares. I'd love to start by talking about your physical presence, which obviously you bring to so many of your roles. Uh, I thought it would be cool to maybe hear about your training in physical acting and how you learned to do what it is that you do.
5: Ah, well, uh, actually, my training in physical acting started with my training in acting. Uh, I never set out to be monsters in my early days. I never thought that was a career option. I was inspired by uh, sitcoms and variety shows when I was a kid. I Things that made you feel good, tap your toes and laugh. That's what I was after. (laughs) Boy, did I, boy, was I wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Barking up the wrong tree. But um, in college at at Ball State University in Indiana, I discovered the art of mime. And I joined a mime troupe there called Mime Over Matter. Get it?
1: (laughs) I do, I do.
5: Okay. And uh, so it was that art form that really, woke up my entire body to all of the visual communication that we do every day as, as just regular human beings who aren't mimes, you know, so much is communicated through our, our posturing, our gestures, our, our body language, our facial expressions so much, uh, that it can change. It can change our words drastically. You know, you can say, uh, get out of town in so many different ways with visuals that that mean that could be anything from joking to actually please get out of town. right? Right. So, uh, so I learned all that, uh, at an early, at an early age, um, with, uh, with performing with a mime troupe where words were not spoken. So we, we did not have the luxury of verbal dialogue. We had to, had to use visual dialogue. So that was, that was early training. I also at the, at Ball State University, uh, we were the fighting Cardinals, and that meant that there was a mascot in a big bird suit, and I I played Charlie Cardinal at the basketball games for my junior and senior year. So to manipulate a big red bird suit and make it come to life for an, uh, you know a, a, an arena full of, of screaming fans was uh, was again very useful for what 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 was to come.
1: Wow! From a bird suit to the scariest monster on television.
5: <laughs> right, right.
1: So. How did you come to this part in particular? Like, how did you come to Buffy? Did you audition or did they seek you out for the part, having known your previous work?
5: Well, remember, this was 1999. So that's 19 years ago. Uh, and that's back before um, I had much of a name in the public eye. I was more, I was known by Creature Effects makeup people uh, I've been because i had been already working with them for, you know, roughly 10, 11 years by then. But, when, but a lot of casting directors did not know who I was. Um, creature people did, but like standard showbiz people did not. So a casting notice was put out in the breakdowns uh, looking for these silent gentleman characters on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And my agent at the time knew of my background and knew of, my, of the creatures I'd played thus far in my career and just submitted me for an audition. So I did indeed get that call, went to the audition It was straight to callbacks, Uh, so that means that the room was full of producers and Joss Whedon himself. So that was rather intimidating to walk into. That Uh, didn't have any script or sides to work from. It's because it was a silent character, so so we just kind of you know off the cuff in the room. uh, Joss said, "Okay, uh, I want you to pretend like there's someone lying in front of you, and I want you to gently and gentlemanly uh, cut his heart out, if you'd be, and, and and smile." as big as you can the entire time. <laughs> so, so that's like, huh, a little, un, a little unsettling. Sure. If you, if you talk to Camden toy ever, he was the other lead gentleman. He, the two of us were, were the two main ones. And there were, I think there were six of us total there. Was, so there was four other gentlemen that were, that were uh, featured around us, but we were the two focal ones. Camden and I have similar stories of, of that audition what was really a compliment to both of us was that joss liked our creepy smiles so much as people just as people walking off the street he thought we we both had the kind of smiles that made him get the (laughs) heebie-jeebies so he had camden's and my makeup redesigned but if you look at the the background um gentlemen they have smiles kind of plastered on in the mask of their face uh, he had our makeup designed so that it would it would it would actually glue down to our own lips so that we could manipulate our own smile and they put uh, metallic dentures in our mouth so that we could use our own mouths and our own smiles because he liked ours better than what was uh, than the actual design that was on the outside of the masks. So that that was a, a last minute redo. It was a huge compliment to Camden and me.
1: Incredible. So is it a compliment to be told that you have a creepy smile in
5: that world? In that world, absolutely, <laughs> the highest compliment.
1: Wow. Doug Jones, thank you so much. And there is so much more of that interview, including I asked him about Hocus Pocus. <laughs> uh, and it's a great story. It actually Truly. might be my favorite story from oh my the whole God. interview. So uh, tune in next week for that and for much more about this brilliant episode. But let's get back into the uh, moment by moment here, shall we, Jenny?
2: Slayers, they're just like us, <laughs> peeing in the morning yes brushing their teeth yes it's true uh (laughs) bumping into somebody in their dorm hall who's crying and then Buffy re-enters the room and Willow tries to say good morning and it like starts to become clear very quickly what is going on right and
1: I love some of what some of how they unpack this just resonated so much to me that like at first they think they can't hear Right, and that, that right, like sort of right. makes sense because like I, I do think that if this happened, that sort of would be the first place that your mind would go. Right, um, and then they sort of slowly put it together. But then there's this incredible moment where they try to Xander tries to call yeah. Buffy, and and you and like Buffy answers the phone and like is like what an idiot, and Xander's <laughs> like on the other end like what an idiot. <laughs> but you know, yeah. and and part of this episode is how much um, those of us who can speak take for granted that we can that we can mm-hmm. um and uh, right so and this is really when the score because you talked about jenny Hood, who did this score oh, christoph beck who scores uh the show always oh okay and he this is just some of the most incredible scoring this, uh, yeah
2: the score is like working overtime, as as are all of the actors uh on the visual front
1: right right you know,
2: everybody is working super fucking hard To pick up the slack uh, for the lack of dialogue. Absolutely. Knocking it out of the park. Um, I have to, before we move on to um, uh, Xander and and Spike. Yes. um, I need to call something out. Yes. Okay. There is a darkness in Sunnydale that we have been watching for three and a half seasons, but we have not named. That darkness is matching pajama sets. They are everywhere. They are a plague. Ah! Willow here is wearing a pair of pink with brown spot cow pajamas. (laughs) I'm so mad. Later, a young gentleman who's going to get his heart cut out is wearing a plaid matching pajama set. We've seen many matching pajama sets, but I can be silent no longer. (laughs) Moving forward, I will be calling out any and all matching pajama sets. Imagine, imagine like, imagine like hooking up with a, a boy, a hunk. I can't, possibly. Yeah, oh, me neither. No. Imagine hooking up with a dude and like going back to his like dorm room, <laughs> and him being like, "Hang on, let me slip into something more comfortable." I'm a 19 year old boy. Hang on, here's my fucking plaid matching oh. pajama set. I just, I know that that that. This was an era when pajama, like matching pajama sets, I think were more of a thing. Still, I never had a pair. I did. I had like a bunch. Oh wow! Pot calling the kettle. No, I'm not saying that I wasn't that I didn't participate. I'm just saying, like, moving forward, we need to call this out as we see it. Okay. Great. 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 Thank you for listening. Okay, so Xander can't talk, and he thinks Spike did it. Spike, Spike is just one big eye roll. Dude, so he does this thing, which I don't know if you all know. I'm sure all of you listening from the UK know, but uh, I didn't know yes. what this was until I went to the UK and did it and then found out I was doing something that was not polite. <laughs> but uh, Spike does basically like a peace sign, but with the back of his hand facing Xander. And mm-hmm. that is the same in the UK as giving the middle finger. The middle finger, And I have to say, it's
1: way easier to do than the middle finger. Right? It takes a lot of coordination to just raise your middle finger. Whereas these two, they just go, why is that? Our, f- our fellow, our biology friends or whatever you have to be skilled in to understand how the body works. I think it's biology. Why is it that it's easier to raise your pointer and your middle together than it is just to raise your middle? Yeah. Oh, imagine if to flip somebody off, you had to do your, <gasps> your ring, ring finger. The, oh, the hardest, hardest one terrible. of all. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> so, right. Spike is super nonchalant. He's like, fuck off. Then we cut to the initiative. They can't speak. They can't speak to get clearance in the elevator. Okay, and this,
2: like, mustard gas or whatever starts, like, pouring out of the ceiling. And somehow they just, like, what are these countermeasures if they just, like, get to the bottom of the elevator and they get out of the elevator and they're still alive? A. And B, the sign that Professor Walsh points to, yeah, just so you, just in case there was any confusion about this point, that sign, we've seen that elevator open before, that sign's never been there before. Oh,
1: oh. It was
2: introduced for the gag for, for the this gag. episode. <laughs> right, right, right,
1: that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, to get a little general for a hot second, that's another part of the brilliance of this episode, is that it's so terrifying, and it's so dark, and it's so deep, but it's also like, Full of these hilarious, and we're gonna get to the most. Oh hilarious my god! Of all
2: one of the greatest scenes when we in get this show's, show's overhead history. Overhead projector,
1: but like <gasps> it's just—it's an incredible meld of these two like genres, almost that you very rarely see hand in hand like this. At least hand in hand, where the effectiveness of the terror is so in- intact. It's it's so present. So. Riley use it, tries to use his breath on this. And I just want to talk about that because we do see um, people making Olivia noises, gasping, gasping and what example. have you. And I, um, I read on, on a very reliable source for anything biological, IMDB, um I, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds right, um, that voiceless sounds are those in which the vocal folds don't have to vibrate. Vowels are always voiced. Some consonants are voiced, but many are not. Voiceless consonants: t, p, k, t, p, k. Uh, those don't use the voice. Oh, they're more—they're percussive. Of the tongue, right? Right, exactly. Um, these sounds can be made by a person even if their vocal folds were removed or damaged. So, a gasp or a sigh can also be made without using the voice. In, ca- in case we had any nays- naysayers. Um and somebody wrote in and said, like, but why can't they whisper? And I could be wrong, but like based on my heavy research on IMDB about vocal cords, <laughs> it sounds like you couldn't whisper an O, an A. Like you, you, you even in whisper, you couldn't make those those noises that have to come from your throat, essentially. Right, right. Right? So okay.
2: Based on my inability to whisper any more quietly than I speak, I would have to agree that it is, uh, that it makes biological sense that you wouldn't be able to whisper if you had lost your place.
1: Before we get on to the next bit of this, Jenny, why don't we hear a few words from some of our sponsors? Also, I say that every time, like a few words from some of our sponsors, but it's just more of us talking about our wonderful sponsors. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas.
0: That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dallowitz, and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So we start to see um, on, on and off campus some of the like sort of immediate... Social impact. Yeah, we see somebody drop that glass bottle in That's the middle of the crowd. That's so powerful. But my room. question
1: is, is that a glass bottle of Mountain Dew? Because was it Mountain Dew? I thought it was Snapple. Oh, I mean, it, that would make sense to me. Snapple. Right, Snapple. <laughs> Why say it like that? I don't know. I thought it was Snapple. <laughs> I mean, that would make sense, but it uh, maybe it was. We'll call it Snapple. Somebody was super excited about those fun facts on the inside of the cap. Do you know <laughs> oh what I mean? Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> so we see the bank is closed, but the liquor store is very, very open. Yeah. Um. Just a quick note from Joss, the door to the liquor store that we see somebody run inside of. There's nothing
1: behind that. That guy just <laughs> runs in behind a, a door that leads nowhere and hides. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, I think, that the effectiveness of uh, portraying what happens to a town in a state of chaos not to get too uh, not to get too ahead of myself because oh boy I can't wait till we hear the computer that professor Walsh has to say, <laughs> get in a state of chaos <laughs> but um, you know this like when re- when a switch is flipped and the reality you take for granted is gone certain things happen. Um, I, Jenny and I are both people who were either in New York City or adjacent to New York City during 9/11 so I think have some firsthand experience. I know I do, having been in Queens, of some of the things that you see unfold in a city or a town when something happens that changes everything. And we see here that like, the, the whole town is in this like very tragic state. Everybody's moving slowly. Everything's different. Things are closed. There's mm-hmm. a religious group, of course, that's mm-hmm. united to sort of like, be together in that sense. There's, and this is the one that got me the most, is that in record time, there's a man selling Dude. message boards. Another? This is real life. Like, this shit is for real. That is exactly what the fuck would happen.
2: A, what's wild is, though this episode came out before uh, 9-11, the commentary was recorded after. And really immediately, like, cites the uh, American flag decals and, and oh, all of that wow. stuff that, that uh, began, like, this <sighs> whole cottage industry sprung up. Suddenly everyone yes. needed one of those. And also, I think, I posit, and now I know we don't hear this guy speak, But I feel like his like outfit and his demeanor and the way that he like Puts money in his pocket mm-hmm. makes me feel like he is part of that vibrant community of um, Brooklyn transplants to Sunnydale. Yes. Who yes. Then open business. The, stereo, the
1: stereotypical attack. He, he, <laughs> he lives in the neighborhood called Little Stereotype of Italy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. And so, and we've already seen Forrest. Forrest is the first person to write something to somebody else in this episode. And with the onslaught of the message boards, we're going to get more of that. Oh, um, my God. When they
2: when Willow and Buffy
1: gets at Giles' house and Willow it's oh, hi Giles hi Giles ah! isn't it so much it's it's because it signifies that moment where where Willow just takes that moment to say hi Giles it signifies the realization of what they had taken for granted right. that they could just and there I have the chills like talking about that not just that moment in this scene but this moment where Giles puts his hand on Buffy's shoulder the look that she gives to him makes me die. It's so, and this is like, you know, in another avenue, and we're going to get to the kiss pretty soon, but it's like, in and in, it's two things, I think. I don't think it's just the fact that they no longer have language or no longer have, that's not true, they, they have language, but they don't have their voices. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one part of this. But it's also that they're in a state of, of chaos. They're in a really terrifying state. And and so the combination of those two things, I think, makes everyone want to express to each other the things that they have not yet expressed or that Mm -hmm. they haven't expressed enough. They really wanna let each other know how much they care. And really nobody can get me much more in this episode than um, Giles and Buffy. And they usually are the ones that get me the most.
2: Yep. (laughs) Then Buffy's like, I see you've written, can't even shout, can't even cry from the poem that I told you about from my dream. What, we can't shout or cry. Right, right. So there's that. Then Xander gets everybody's attention and turns the volume up on the news. Yeah. learn from the commentary that that's an actual local newscaster. Oh, wow. You might remember him from Amends when he's like, well, don't... We won't see the sun today on Christmas. It's
1: <laughs> snowing in it's Southern snowing California. It's snowing 700 feet today in Southern <laughs> yeah. California. We learn in this newscast that, the, that Sunnydale has been quarantined. For laryngitis. Yeah, which, come on. That's not how laryng I don't how think that's dare you. how it works. And also, uh, there's like this one quick shot to Olivia. Dude, who- she's
2: drinking scotch and looking so bummed. Like, why did I pick this yes. weekend? What yes. the
1: fuck? She's like, I'm fucking stuck in Sunnydale. And we'll kind of, at the end of the episode get a little to a little bit more of the Olivia that yeah, eventually yeah. comes yep. out of this episode, yep. which I think is heartbreaking. Um, but, and, but
2: first, but first, but first we go to professor Walsh. Who's all like fitter, happier,
1: <laughs> more productive. <laughs> it's the same computer, right? It's the same software. Yeah, we probably, should play, right? Actually, let's play a clip from the uh, professor Walsh's computer and a clip from Radiohead uh, side by side. Let's see how similar they are. Sick.
4: Fitter,
5: happier, More productive. Because there will be chaos. You will help keep order. Dress as civilians. A military presence would only increase panic.
2: You know, the first time I was watching this episode and taking notes, I was doing it longhand on a yellow uh, notepad, and then I looked up and saw (laughs) Riley writing. On a yellow notepad. And I was like. You
1: felt really seen and connected to your hunky, I felt, hunky boyfriend. Yeah, I
2: felt seen. I felt connected. I felt like taller and more muscular all of a sudden. Okay. <laughs> so. I was like, am I sweatier? right. <laughs> Riley's, like, pretty sweaty, like, 25, 30% of the time. You're like,
1: am I fitter, happier, <laughs> yeah. more productive? Truly. Uh, so we go to the town, and we see, of course, um, the other side of a town in chaos is um, there's garbage can fires suddenly, and yeah. fire hydrants are exploded. And Interesting how we don't see any women attacking each other. People are just men just attacking each other. Interesting. odd.
4: Hmm. The Patriots!
1: So, of course, then Buffy and Riley meet and they're like, oh, my God, did this is happening. Do you know what's happening? Riley's trying to break up a fight. Buffy slightly helps, helps without <laughs> Riley seeing. I just got boot. Boos gums. Boos oh, <laughs> gums. No. Oh, a case of the boos gums, Jenny.
2: Oh, I just got goosebumps. Singing. I damn it. How? Why is this happening to me? I don't even like their theme. You don't like their theme song? It's like fun, but so this is another thing um, that Joss talks about in the commentary. Uh, he talks about how he prefers this to the Angel and Buffy love theme, which is more like as he uh, defines it, straight ahead and romantic, which I guess I just like things that are straight ahead and romantic because I prefer that theme it feels more emotional and this one feels like... Oh, a little bit like cardboard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cardboard dipped in butterscotch, maybe. (laughs) So uh, then we get a shot of the clock tower and we see the floating feet. Wait, 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 wait. They kiss. Oh my God, I'm sorry. In real life. I'm so sorry.
2: They're about to go their separate ways, and then Riley's like, wait.
1: Yeah, but silently silently. in his brain. And they're able to, of course, because they're no longer using their language. They're using everything else to communicate. It's very clear and also very, like, dark. So it's time. The time is now. And this is a much more romantic way to kiss for the first time than in front of the classroom. So I say again, I'm glad for it. (laughs) And hopefully they'll continue to kiss until Buffy can realize her fantasies of... Professor Walsh being involved. What the fuck? I'm just saying it's weird. The dream sequence get in the that beginning makes out of your feel mind. weird. Uh, so then we get to the clock tower and yeah. floating feet. Yeah, they're like, we all float up here, Buffy. Yes. And, the <laughs> and then we meet the henchmen. We haven't seen how... Uh, like, the muscle behind the gentlemen yet. Because the gentlemen are too proper, of course, to get any dirt under their fingernails. Right, right. They have these henchmen that are, like, in straitjackets. Technically, in the script, I guess they're called footmen, but no, I footmen. call them straight jacket mummies. Yeah. They're, they remind me of the um, the monkeys in The Wizard of Oz. You know, like the the Wicked oh, Witch totally. has the, what are they the called? Flying the flying monkeys. Or is it
2: winged monkeys? Flying monkeys?
1: My, monkeys.
2: My... monkeys that are able to fly somehow. Those
1: bad monkeys, you know. Bad, <laughs> the bad, monkeys. bad monkeys. So they remind me of them. And they, this is like really, this is, the gentlemen have a creepiness that I think evokes like a Michael Myers. Um, oh. So, you know, the, the the they're slow. Yes. They don't have to chase you. I mean, they they are chasing you, but. But they don't Slowly. have to, like, break they don't a have sweat. To have, exactly. They have to exert no effort. And the... They're like, we'll get to you. What are they called? The watchmen? The henchmen? The footmen. The footmen. <laughs> uh, help them by sort of being the ones to run a little faster, pin people down, etc. <sighs> Olivia,
2: Olivia and Giles just had some more sex. Had some more sex, of course. And Olivia, hell yeah, wakes up in the middle of the night and, like, puts a robe on. Yeah! <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow, Jenny. Sorry. No, I mean, I'm here with you. She's just so elegant. Yes. And and (laughs) she goes downstairs. And um, once again, like, uh, Joss talks here in the commentary about, like, how the scariest moments are reserved for Olivia and Tara. And this. I think is arguably maybe the scariest moment in the entire series. Right? It's like right. And Matt, you're thinking like, Ooh. what would it be like to be Olivia to look out the window? You're visiting your hot older boyfriend. You like see this fucking creepy monster floating, but you're like, well, at least it's like across the street.
1: Oh my god, it's right there! <laughs> I jumped. I jumped. <laughs> yeah. You made me jump, and I knew what was coming. <laughs> and also, it's not happening. <laughs> But I jumped. <laughs> it is terrifying, and a lot of you wrote in about this scene. It is horrifying, and of course, only made more terrifying by the fact that she can't scream. I've probably seen this episode like twenty-five times,
2: and only in the last like three times that I've watched. Even the first time that I watched it to like start working on the song, this go round, I like yeah. jumped at that.
1: Yeah, it's 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 real. It's real, and uh, whoo sorry for Olivia. And then the gentlemen, of course, glide into the dorms and they like are wagging their fingers. We see
2: a close up when they're still outside. We see a close up of the hand curling. Uh, Joss talks about how he uh, said to that actor, Don Lewis, who was a mime, uh, give me Nosferatu on the hand. Uh, And that's like where that curl comes (gasps) from.
1: So creepy,
2: and dude, Doug Jones's face when they get to room one eighteen—he's right? like, "I love this room. <laughs> this is." My
1: favorite dorm room! That's the best part about the gentlemen, is that they're, like, so... Later, when they're proud of each other, they're, oh they're my proud God. of him for bringing back a heart, mm-hmm. and he's, like, so proud of himself. Oh, yes. And they're all clapping Oh, I, I couldn't possibly. Don't make me sing. It's like, I know they're terrifying, but I sort of love them. Like, you know, I sort of love their little crazy, horrible, murderous society. Yeah, yeah. Just a touch. Uh, so... The henchmen, the, hen- the henchmen, the footman, whatever. The evil monkeys hold the student down. Uh, a student wearing matching pajama set, of course. And they glide in smiling. The scalpel comes out and it fades to black. But I read, Jenny, yes. that they actually filmed the scene. Yes. They t- couldn't include it. And it's apparently, yes. I don't know how we would ever get our hands on it or if we would want to, but it's apparently... Terrifying. I bet somebody out there has it. You think? Well, send it to us or don't.
2: I have two things to say. Uh, First of all, the Victorian like black doctor bag that they're like carrying around. It's like got a scalpel and like two jars in it, I guess, probably.
1: But so uh, well leathered, so it won't make a sound.
2: Oh, totally. Or well oiled, I should say. And this scene where we're seeing from the boys' perspective, we're seeing Doug Jones gliding towards him. Okay, so dig it. That is a moment. That uh, is from a dream of Joss's. Yes. In which uh, a man was floating at him as he was like lying in bed in his dream. (sighs) So it was very important to him to like shoot it from POV for like extra scary. But that means they had to shoot the ceiling, which means they had to put a ceiling on the room, which they usually wouldn't bother because lights go up there and stuff. Right. Just one of, like, one of a zillion examples of, like, how much more went into this episode incredible than your average episode. Yeah, incredible. And he also talks about how his mission with this episode was to traumatize a generation of children. He wanted, like, a generation of children to be like, man, you know what fucked me? Like, at the bar, age <laughs> 35, man, you know what really fucked me up when I was a kid? The gentleman <laughs> well, from Buffy the Vampire Ding, slayer. ding, ding. Yeah, worked. yeah, mission Just accomplished. We're
1: not at a bar, but <laughs> we will be later if you know what I mean. So
2: we see... A bunch of jars. Yes. And jar, jars of hearts. And do you Is know a song? About a song? There's a song by Christina <laughs> Perry that goes, "That's uh, about the gentleman, that goes, who do you think you are? Running around, leaving scars, collecting your jar of hearts and tearing love apart. You're going to catch a cold from the ice inside your soul. So don't come back for me. Who do you think you are? The gentleman.
3: in your jar of hearts and tearing love apart you're gonna catch a cold from the ice inside your soul so don't come back for me who do you think you are i'm so sorry this
2: is the <laughs> i'm gonna this is the last thing i'll say for a second i will let you speak um, but I just thought this was also well. In addition to Nosferatu, visual uh, inspiration for The Gentleman also came from Pinhead from the Hellraiser series, and also Mr. Burns Mr. From Burns, the yes, I read that same thing. Uh, he talks about how he wanted The Gentleman to remind people of what scared them the most as children, and then he posits that children are most afraid of
1: old people. <laughs> well, I was afraid of old people as a kid. Exactly. Yeah. We're like, what's up with that? Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah, exactly. I'm so far from that. That it terrifies me. So, okay. Buffy sees that the heart's been removed. Detective out of- Buffy. Do you think she's horrified because of the heart or the matching pajamas? I think she's horrified by how easy it was
2: for her to just slip behind the person who's supposed to be guiding the door. And also the fact that the door is wide open and there's a heartless body laying on a dorm bed. Yeah.
1: woof. Uh, and then we learn, Jenny, that Olivia can sketch too. And my question to you is, <laughs> do you think Olivia and Giles together? Do you think they bring Dude. their sketch pads to the Sunnydale river bank?
2: <laughs> what I think first of all, great sketch Olivia, which prompts Giles to say, aha mm-hmm. I've been fucking up, let me go get my
1: fairy tales He moves book. over the book with the cover that says vampires yeah, and yeah. Then he moves over the book that says witchcraft, witchcraft. <laughs> and he moves <both laughs> over the book that says fairy tales
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yes, oh. well I don't think they sketch together, I don't think Giles wants Olivia to know what his drawings look like. And also, why didn't Olivia help with the slides? (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. Because, because. Okay, so, Jenny, we're about to get to one of the most noted scenes in the episode. Where we go to this UC Sunnydale classroom. Now, I enjoy the scene. You enjoy the scene, I assume. Love it. Okay, so before we start talking about it, Jenny, I'm going to pause the recording here because I have, unbeknownst to you, brought us two dry erase boards. And I want to set up the camera so that we try to tell each other what we think about this scene, but without speaking. And we can only use our dry erase boards two times. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. I just surprised Jenny with this. I didn't tell her what we were doing, but that's the the plan. (laughs) So you can, um, Jenny and I just did an experiment. Uh, We'll put a snippet of it uh, up on socials, and uh, we'll put the full video. It was about five minutes of us trying to communicate. I think I did a great job. I I think we both did a great job. Uh, Jenny went heavy on the whiteboard, though. I would have preferred a little... Use the tools that are available to you. Well, sure. Uh, So you can see the full video if you're a patron of ours uh, at any level, and of course, you will all get to see... Uh, a highlight from, <laughs> from the experience on our social media. Uh, you could follow us, of course, at BufferingCast on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We'll put it in all of those places just in case you prefer one social media outlet over the other. <laughs> so let's talk about this scene now that we have our voices back, Jenny. Yeah, Giles puts on his favorite lecture music. Yo, so and I wish I had this written this fact down, but Giles used to be in another show. Not Giles. Anthony Stewart had. Used uh-huh. to be in another show that was like about a detective. I don't remember. But <laughs> this was the theme music to that show where apparently they like solved crimes using logic or solved mysteries using logic anyway it, there's a, <laughs> a little easter egg of a thing but the song and you can tell that i have yet again prepared so well to talk about it wait uh. what was the
2: takeaway from what you just said just that that song is the theme song oh, of the a song. Sh- that song is that the theme song that he's song. playing is the Got theme it.
1: song to this I, other he show was like, i brought
2: my own theme music so right. he he puts that on Yeah. Cracks his knuckles. Yeah. Oh, yes, I'm ready. And then probably puts on the first slide
1: backwards. Right. And also, just a nod, a moment of appreciation for the era of the overhead projector. Long may it rain. You, too, can have an overhead projector for very little money at almost any Salvation Army or Goodwill near you. Really? Every time I go to anything like that, there's always, like, an overhead projector. Really? Because what? Where are the rest of them? There must be like an overhead projector graveyard, but I loved, and what did you call, what are are the clear sheets called? They had a name. Oh God. Cool, we'll leave you with that (laughs) horrible unknowing that we now have to sit with. Transparency. Yes, yes. Oh, (laughs) she did it. The million dollar question. I loved transparencies. I loved drawing on them. You could draw on them with marker that would wipe away, or you could be like, I'm making this transparency Permanent forever. And I believe that Giles went with permanent for these. I hope he did. And I would love to know where the original transparency. are. where are these transparencies now? They have to be worth a lot of money. More money than any other transparency. Definitely. (laughs) So Giles' drawings are hilarious. They're so funny. The gentleman that he draws with the fucking doctor bag that he is like. And that he like, first of all, his use of red marker. Yeah, is incredible. True, and his execution of drama—like it's like he could have just written down the things he needed to write.
2: Or also, could, why do they need
1: to do it at this lecture hall? I know it's so—it's it's so great because they wanted to give us our favorite thing, <laughs> yeah. and it is the scene. So they have some um, miscommunications. Giles is like, "Do you know what they're after?" Buffy's like, Boobies. taps her heart, and Xander's like, "Boobies." He says boobies. He doesn't His say it, but he mouths it's it. It's really unfortunate It is that it's a two-syllable thing. Anya is eating popcorn. Lovely. Because she's fucking here for the show. I mean, yep. Anya and Spike have a lot of similarities, I think. Totally. They're both, like, ex-demons slash ex-vampires, and they're just like, seen it all, been here, done yeah, that, no, don't give a fuck. Look at these goofy fuck. humans. Add yeah. it again. <laughs> um, then, of course, we get the most confused moment of all when oh my god. they're like, "How do we kill him?" And Buffy is like, "By Jerking giving him a handjob, right? <laughs> <laughs> you just if you give a gentleman a handjob, oh my god, then he, his off, head right? explodes, which is <laughs> yeah. kind of well, accurate. actually, yeah, it's not far it's off, kinda, yeah. probably. We think we've heard uh, that's what I've read about. Yes, right. right. uh, <laughs> so of course she means. Maybe with a stake. But what I posit here is Buffy has never used a stake like this in her entire life. You slay forward, not, not up down. And down. Oh. Right, exactly. Um, but it gives us all
2: a good laugh. Also, then Willow is like, what about this share CD? Will this share yeah. CD
4: kill She's them? like, if we play Believe, <laughs> yeah. will it kill them? Will it
1: kill them? But alas, uh, no. Because it only be a real human Buffy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, then Buffy is very annoyed, at- dude.
2: This is like the peak. This might be the peak comedy moment. Oh my God, she's seen. so mad about her what? rendering. What? And so- the way that she like moves her hands. Apparently, Sarah Michelle Geller pitched this this moment. That was like her actual reaction. Right the <laughs>
1: <slide>. <laughs> incredible, oh, incredible! And then there's this beautiful shot at the end of this scene where Buffy is holding. The transparency. Ooh. Thank God, you remembered what they're called. Uh, And she's holding the transparency, and it fit, sort of like we're focused on Buffy, and then it pulls out and and focuses on the transparency, which is just really nice. Yeah, really nice effect. And then uh, everybody's suiting up to patrol. The initiative, well, yes. up. Buffy's ready to patrol. Yes. Riley
2: sees movement you in the clock who? tower. You know who else is ready to fucking patrol? Jenny. Who? Tara.
1: Yeah. Tara's ready to patrol. Tara well, has a list of rooms.
2: Yes, she's looked up where Willow lives. Oh. And um, she's been doing some research. She's taken the books, whatever. Now this you'll appreciate. I will. She takes about three steps outside <laughs> and falls
1: right down. Because she's, she's so, so clumsy. clumsy. She's so clumsy, Tara, so clumsy. Also, it's been brought to my attention by a couple of people that this episode will mark the first in an ongoing relationship of Tara versus doors. Um, <laughs> Tara apparently is going to have many a struggle with getting a door open, and the uh, first time that that happens is here in her, in her first episode. Right. Hush.
2: So yes. before she gets inside to the doors, though... Of course. She's so picking herself up, and the gentlemen and the footmen are in the background. Yes. Now, those gentlemen... Floated around through the fucking dorm halls till so they were like, What's my favorite room? <laughs> they're so particular. They had time, yeah. So what do you think makes like a good heart, heart to them? Cause they see Tara and they're just
1: like, Yes. Hmm. Do you think there's like a purity factor Ooh, of any kind? Maybe. Or I was gonna actually say like a fear factor, <laughs> not to be confused with the popular nineties show Fear Factor. <laughs> or maybe early alts. Um but, but that like <laughs> The like you know how like an animal can smell fear, yeah. Like maybe the gentleman,
2: but they're just like cruising down a hallway, knocking on doors. Like that guy who answered the door that we first. But like saw everyone's
1: afraid because none of them have voices. But that would make everybody's heart good.
2: And, like, why bother no, but, cruising but, but down the hallway? what I'm saying hallway? is,
1: like, maybe certain people are, have a proclivity to be more afraid. What I'm saying is I'd be fucked because I'm more afraid of <laughs> everything. Okay. Um, but uh, maybe you're right. Maybe there's a purity. I mean, we did see matching pajamas on that man, which does, or boy. Does uh, suggest that he's
2: never he's, had sex. He's pure. Virgins only, please. please. <laughs>
1: he's pure. Um, and Tara definitely has, like, a, a purity about her from the moment we meet her, like, an innocence Um, I think. Yep. Yep. So maybe that, maybe that is what it is. The pure heart. Okay. Then Tara's running around banging on doors. Oh my God. She's knocking on all the doors. And this is like a study in humans who don't come to other, the aid of other humans at the risk of themselves here because all of the people in their dorm rooms are like, fuck whoever that is. Could be somebody bad or like, I'm not going to get involved. And no one opens the fucking door, of course, except for Willow. Before we get there, I just want to say Buffy with the crossbow. Just It's like her weapon of choice this season, I feel like. Right? Oh, it's so impractical. I mean, I thought that Riley's weapon was a thing that would shoot a stake. Like, it looked like it was a stake in a gun. Right, right. But instead, it's just like a... It's a ghost buster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, definitely it's a blaster. Riley's one of the Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, um... Tara sort of knocks on the door, and the way they set this up is you think that she's knocking on Willow's door because we've seen Willow hearing the knock, but turns out she's actually knocked on the door of the place that the gentlemen have just taken another heart. So they open the door and they're holding a heart, and she's like, fuck this shit. (laughs) And she starts running at the same moment that Willow comes out, and of course, Clumsy part two. So clumsy. Oh, goof. I just (laughs) ran right into you. Oh, my goodness. Ladies piling on ladies accidentally in the hallway. They stand up and they run. And Tara is like, it's really subtle, but Tara's like super protective of Willow in this moment. Like you can see her. You can see Amber Benson pushing Allison Hannigan. Like you can see her like sort of like guiding her out the door um, to, of course, also exit. But it just feels... Protective. It feels me.
2: protective, but also look, you know, it's just impractical. That's not how you run when you're running away from something. But they're like, they're not just running
1: away. They they've just fallen and like they're discombobulated. Oh, right. I'm sorry. Well, I'm here getting, getting zigzag part one and I'm here. <laughs> okay. So um Buffy's in the clock tower. Riley's in the clock tower. This shit. Gave me more goosebumps. God damn boost, it. More goosebumps! More boost Uh The crossbow faces the uh, Ghostbuster taser. And there's the reveal. And we cut to black. We cut to commercial. And now you're going to be like hefty, hefty, hefty. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Wow. Remember that commercial? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or like a commercial where like the Kool-Aid man breaks through the door. Yeah, yeah. Or just some more herbal essences. Commercials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Starring Olivia. So... <laughs> Wow. (laughs) So we cut back in on this scene and like as two fighters would do, right? They're both trained to fight. They're like, holy shit, what the fuck? But they're like, not now. Now we have to fight. And we get a moment that I enjoy where like Buffy swings across on the rope and Riley has to take a minute because he's like, damn. Yep. Very impressed. I also read that in this final fight scene, you might be delighted to hear. That Mark Bucus does all his own stunts? Yes! Yes, I know! <laughs> I want to know that Jenny's sitting in a chair with arms, and while that came out of her body, she <laughs> pushed her body up out of the chair, like, I don't think your butt was even on the seat anymore. She was pushing up on the arms. She got very excited. So, that's pretty cool. Points for Mark Lucas. Points, and we Spike, um, James Marsters did some of his own stunts as well earlier in the season, I believe. Nice. So, like, great work, everyone. Um... So whatever. The biggest reveal of the episode is that Giles has not one, but two green mugs, Jenny. (laughs) Two green mugs. Well, he's got a
2: set. He has a set. Notice that none of the Sunnydale kids are ever drinking out of a green mug.
1: He's like, that mug is for company and company is Olivia. Jenny, I think that in addition to the fact that we are revealed not only the two green mugs, but that we think that perhaps the person who gave him those green mugs is Olivia. And Olivia is here in this episode, I believe, that we should call upon a very, very infrequently played jingle. A rare Uh, beast. The green mug song. Seldom seen and heard.
3: Well, it's a green mug song From the bottom of our hearts This very handsome glassware We'll answer every mug prayer, and Giles can drink in style, and Giles can drink
1: in Oh, lovely. You didn't think you were going to get that in this episode. Sure didn't. But boy, did you. Wow. I personally think the zigzag part deserves a jingle. Just going to say. Just a little one. Like a I'm detective angel. Easy! Just like a detective angel kind of a little snippet. You know, oh, not something big. Just a little. Oh, it's a bit. It's a Okay. You make jingles sometimes. Not, <laughs> not only uh, do we get two green mugs, but immediately after we get the two green mugs, Spike is going into the fridge for the Kiss the Librarian mug. We get it again this so week. So mugs. Full of blood already, like prepped for him. Do you think he prepped it for himself or do you think Giles preps it for Spike? <laughs> I think Giles preps it for Spike. Uh, um, and, of course, Spike takes a sip, vamps out because, mmm, delicious pig's blood. Yep. And Xander walks in and the way that Spike is over Anya and Anya's asleep, Xander thinks that Spike has killed Anya or at least fed off of Anya. And he loses his shit. Hell yeah. Right? And Anya is like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and this is another, this is the kind of like the Buffy Riley kiss moment of like, we saw that when they could speak to each other, they were not communicating the things that the other one needed to hear. Namely, that Xander was not able to communicate his feelings for Anya to Anya. But in this moment... Of course, his feelings are very clear. And my favorite part about this moment, Jenny, is that after it's realized, of course, that no, Spike has not fed off of Anya. And Anya's like, oh, my God, but you love me. You really love me. <laughs> we see Olivia looking so excited about them kissing. She's so excited. She's like, "Ah oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. You go back. Check the tape. <laughs> okay. Check the tape. It's there. I I think that
2: the adults in the room are just happy that the young people have... Oh, please, Giles could
1: give a fuck. <laughs> Giles is so over everything. Uh, anyway, and then, of course, Anya's like, do you want to have sex? But uses the very known gesture uh, of... See, what
2: you do is you make a circle with your uh, left forefinger and thumb. It has to be your left? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And then you... Point your pointer finger of your right hand and then, wait, pointer finger? No. Yeah. Index finger. No. Right? Index is your first finger, pointer yeah. is your
1: middle. What? Kind of. What the hell? This is your pointer finger. It's the finger you point with. Oh my God. Jenny's Google search history. <laughs> Mark Blucas, Mark Blucas in shirt, Mark Blucas in no shirt. What is a pointer finger? Your index finger is your ring finger, I thought.
2: No, your index finger, according to this fucking... Is name, also your pointer your finger? pointer finger slash four finger. Do you think... Wow, that's way too many names for one finger. Do you think that it's your slash pointer... Slash trigger finger slash digitus secundus Ooh. slash digitus two and Careful many with other all that terms. that Latin, Jen. You're going to conjure a demon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, regardless. Okay, whatever. You take on your, your, p- your first finger and your left on your thumb... And make a circle. And then you take your other first finger on your right hand and jam it in there. Jam it in the hole. Stop doing that so violently,
1: Jenny. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Of course, this is only symbolic of um, penis, either penis in vagina or penis in butt sex. um, I think Or finger in hole sex. Listen, I think it could be any kind of. You think it could be oblong? Oh, like it could be uh, dildo in short. It's penetrative sex. Yes. Uh, why are you
2: sad? Well, because I felt like, well, should I not have been just talking about penetrative sex? You can
1: talk about. You can talk about pen, penetrative. Is that what, penetrative? I should go. I'll just see myself Penetra- out. You, you're allowed to talk about <laughs> sex that penetrates.
4: Okay. Uh, as
1: it is a form of sex, just not the only form. However, true that gesture is definitely used more often than any other gesture uh, to denote sex, and I I heard that the network was kind of pissed about this being in the episode. Yes, yes, but they let it slide they, because it
2: was too funny. They let it slide
1: for humor. It's hard to argue with that. Um, don't worry, we're getting to perhaps the next best part of the episode where, um, you know, uh, Willow and uh, Tara, they've they, they run, they've gotten in the room, and they need to block the door. And, and luckily, I guess when, you know what happened, Jenny? What happened? When the snake went through the high school And then they blew up the high school. Destroyed. Everything destroyed. Except. Except the vending machine. And they were like, damn. This vending machine lasted through the snake and the explosion? We should put that at the college. Yeah, yeah. So the same vending machine that used to to serve cold drinks for the high school now serves cold drinks at the college. And um, Willow can't move it with her strength. And then she sits down. And she's like, oh, I'm going to use my powers. Not to, not to help Amy, but to help myself. <laughs> I'm going to move the vending machine. And she tries, and it's wiggling. It's wiggling. And Tara is like, oh, uh, I'm really feeling something here. Uh, maybe we should hold hands. The shot of them intertwining hands is certainly the sexiest thing that happens in this episode. It's the most X-rated moment in television history. Like, I'm sorry, that gesture Anya did holds not a candle to the fingers of Willow and the fingers of Tara intertwining, and then their forces combine, and they reveal what lesbian sex is for the first time on television. Yes, moving a vending machine. Moving a vending machine. Telekinetically. Across the room. It's amazing how many vending machines that we have had to find in our lives. Yeah, and also how many shows have gotten it wrong. I know. I mean, it's typical, you know? Representation matters, and we don't get it really many places, but here, for first and perhaps the only time, we see what lesbian sex truly looks like. Thank you, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know who I bet wants to talk about this? (gasps) You know who? I think Kate Leth would like to ASMR her way into our eardrums, talking about some fashion and probably talking about vending machines. Nice. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy Fashion Update.
6: Hello and welcome to Buffy Fashion Watch. Today we're going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 10, Hush. HUSH. If you're finding yourself unsettled by the gentlemen and their footmen, take a moment to relax, center, focus. focus. Think about Tara's center part, Willow's right. gauzy red shirt, Buffy's bright pink top, Giles. Giles in everything he wears Always Always. It's alright It's okay When I first watched this episode I was eleven Eleven years old And I got pulled out of school For falling asleep Because I'd been awake For three Three Nights Straight So if you're worried or scared. Just picture your hand and my hand intertwining as we move a vending machine with the power of our beautiful gay witchcraft. Focus on your breathing. There's nothing outside. Then again, how will you know? Unless you go ahead and peek out. See, it was just your imagination. Until next time,
3: I'll see you at the mall. That was
1: our friend Kate. She gave you the Buffy Fashion Update. Wow, I can't believe what it feels like to have ear sex. You know what I mean? I... (laughs) Gotta go. It sorry. It's it was my first understanding. I was like, now it's my Ear only understanding. Uh, Kate left. Thank you, and also like, Ooh. and also thank you, thank you. So, so Riley's a ghostbuster. Right? Buffy's like, break the box. Riley's oh my like, god, I got it.
2: Slow mo hero moment. I'm gonna smash the
1: wrong thing. Yep. Of course. And the way that he like looks at her after he does it, he's like, did I do a good job? Yeah, he's a total Labrador. And she's like, oh, she's literally like men. Am I right? (laughs) Uh, And she's like, no, you dummy. And then and then she uses her hands to be like the box, the box. And he smashes the box. And um, her voices, everyone's voices are returned. And yep. she knows, thank goodness, because of the transparencies, <laughs> that the thing that will kill the gentleman is the sound of a human scream. Now, Jenny, this is not Sarah Michelle Geller screaming. Though she did scream her head off. So do you know from watching the director's commentary what happened here? Because I didn't find it on, on the internet. It just told, the internet told me this was not Sarah Michelle Geller's scream. Someone wrote in to us and said, you know, I think that they made this scream not as, because we've talked at length. I've talked about my love of a good horror scream. And one of our listeners wrote in and said, you know, you might be disappointed because this is, it's not a, it's not a great horror It's more scream. of a yell. And this listener of ours posited that perhaps that was done intentionally because Buffy has never screamed in distress in her whole life. Mmm. I
2: think I don't know. But what do, what do you well, know? Well, what I got from the director's commentary was that they uh foleyed in someone else's scream for the sustain.
1: Oh. Cuz that's a long scream. It is a long scream. But why? it's I mean, I guess whatever. I I would love to hear the I would love to hear the scream that Sarah Michelle Gellar did. Wouldn't you? Of course. Yeah well anyway wishing and hoping won't get us anywhere jenny let's just talk about the reality of the episode we got this scream and it does what it's supposed to do now this you haven't seen um everything sucks yet but you need to get on that yes. train there's a great um moment in the film that they make and everything sucks where they use they use a watermelon and they explode a watermelon but they like paint it to look like the alien's head and it's this great whatever okay Anyway, remind. I just finished the series, and it reminded me of the of the way that their heads explode. Um, really effective, really hilarious. It's like funny, you know, like it's it's gross, but it's I think comedic. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, and um, then so everything is restored to normal. Yeah. Then Willow's like, "Why were you looking
2: for me?" And Tara's like, "Oh my God, Willow! I like, thought we
1: could do a spell." I mean, come on, everybody! Like. Is there anything more gay than being Dude. like, so why were you looking for me? Like, literally everything was just—you <laughs> were almost dead. Like everybody went, and you're like, so. Um, no, you know what's even gayer? What?
2: When Willow's like, I'm nothing special, and oh Tara's my God. like, No, you are. Literally, it her voice so dropped
1: five octaves. It's really intense. No, you are. <laughs> Um, so you know, we'll just have so, to see. Yeah, what, um, it seems
2: exciting over in that corner. What kind of over, witchcraft
1: happens with these two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Over in the Giles and Olivia corner, though, things are not looking so promising. This
1: is so sad. So basically, Olivia's like, "So all that shit you told me, like, was for real." And Giles is like, "Yeah, like I, these are like the monsters are real, the demons are real," and he says, "She says scary," and he says, "Too scary." And she says, I don't know. No. And then we all sob because Giles deserves to have oh, a lover He just can't have anything nice. I know. Uh, this is really sad. <sighs> and then, oh, I'm so sad. We're getting to the end of the episode. Good thing we have two episodes on Hush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then after Giles breaks our hearts, we, of course, go to Riley and Buffy, who have communicated better in this episode than they've communicated in any episode. But now their voices have returned and this big re- reveal has happened. They know that the other is not just a normal boy or a normal girl. Mm-hmm. Um, And Riley sort of like, so I guess we should talk. And Buffy's like, I guess we should. And then they don't. They sure don't. I mean, we'll see what happens in the next episode. But this is very poignant, very, you know... I don't know. I think it just underlines the entire theme of the episode. The silence at the end of the episode, the like chosen silence, right? Like yeah. that before th- it was silent because they could not speak. And yep. now it is silent because they cannot speak. A different kind of cannot speak. Yeah. They're afraid, of course, right? Like they really like each other. And Also, what happened after the clock tower? They just were like, well, see you tomorrow. <laughs> Meet you back at the dorm. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, and we come to the end of one of the best episodes of the series. Hooray! <sighs> and we had a hard time figuring out who to nominate for sexual tension. But let's play the jingle and get into this before we bid you adieu. Sexual Attention Award. We're gonna we're we're taking this episode to root us back. In, uh, in a land where sexual attention awards go to um, human two, people.
2: Two human people. To two or human more. or
1: three, right. But it, the, the sexual attention <laughs> award has become populated as of late with uh, many inanimate objects. <laughs> and I'm not yucking anyone's yum here. Uh, but, but Jenny and I did a lot of discussing and we decided let's ground this one uh, in some like old school sexual attention awards. Yes. Uh, and And Jenny, what do we have? Well, here
2: are the Sexual Attention Award nominees for this episode. Hush. We've got Olivia and Giles. Hot, hot, hot. Everybody loves it. Mm -hmm. We've got Anya and Xander. Yeah. Not too shabby. (laughs) We've got Tara and Willow doing a (gasps) sexy vending machine spell together. Vote, 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 vote. Sorry. And we've got in the fourth slot for your voting pleasure. Olivia,
1: and all of us. Yes, indeed. I know who I'm voting for, but whatever. Huh. Um. Also, I want to let you know that it was really hard for me not to nominate. We had other other options. These will not be listed, but I thought that The Gentleman and Hearts was up. I thought Spike and Blood should have been sure, a, yep. a gimme. Um, still kind of up there with Giles and Xander's mom. <laughs> um, and I also um, kind of think that Olivia, Anya, and Xander wanted to do a little thing. God thought about nominating Buffy and Riley, but figured no one would vote for them. Never like a few, a few people, and then they'd feel sad because yep. yep, you know. So a lot, just a lot of sexual tension to go around. Thought maybe about doing it between all of us and Kate Leth's fashion watch. Sure, but that, you know that's not canon, so nope. how to leave that one out. Uh, anyway, you can follow us on buffering on Twitter at bufferingcast. Uh, to vote in the Sexual tension Awards. And Jenny, normally we wait until the poll is closed to announce the winners from the week prior. Let's just announce what the winners are right now. If it changes, we'll have to come back and re-record. Right, right, right. But if it stays the same... But if it same, stays the same, we'll keep it. Please tell me who won. Okay, Jenny, so as of today, now there's still two days left. Anything could change. But right now, tied. Third place with five percent of the votes, Buffy and Riley's arms. Sure, good contender. Five percent. And and Anya and Xander's mom. Uh they both have five percent as of today. Oh god as of this recording. Um and neck and fucking neck have been. Should I read it? I'll tell you the neck and neck and then I'll and then you can drum roll me to the winner. Uh Spike and Passions, the television show. Has been <laughs> battling it out with Buffy and Spike. I will remind you, this is something blue. This is this is <laughs> They're Spike like and Buffy making out the whole just, episode. Right. Maybe people are like, well, they didn't have any tension there. Anyway, right now, in second place with forty-three percent of the vote is Spike and Passions. With forty-seven percent of the vote, Buffy and Spike have taken it. Will it last? Well. If If you If you hear the jingle again, right after we're done talking, then it lasted. And if you hear us say, ha, 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 hi, uh, then you know perhaps there was an upset. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sexual
3: Attention Award. Well, well,
2: well, 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 well. That is our first episode for
1: hush tune back in next week for our second episode (laughs) you you really want to tune in um doug jones camden toy and a long discussion about the incredible work done jenny by you and rishi on this week's song and i will say that you'll notice when we get to the song in just a few minutes that um there's some instrumentation where perhaps lyrics would have been And Jenny and Rishi, and you'll hear more about this process next week as well, wrote the full song with the lyrics. And so next week, in addition to getting those interviews, in addition to learning about the creation of this song, you'll also get the song with all the lyrics in it, which is pretty rad. Yes, yes,
2: yes. Two songs, no waiting, (laughs) except one week of waiting. (laughs) Ah, yes. Okay, cool. So I am Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast with Kristen, I'm usually watching an episode of Buffy five times in a (laughs) row so that I can then talk about it with Kristen, but also sometimes I write songs and record them. You can learn more about me and my jams at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering, and you can give me a shout on Twitter at
1: Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and I am Kristen Russo, but my middle name is Nolene. And because of the ease in which you can spell it, I've chosen to use it as uh, my website and also all of my... Social handles. So you can learn more about me and the things I'm doing when I'm not talking to Jenny about Buffy uh, and our second watch of Buffy, our third and fourth and Mm -hmm. fifth watch Mm -hmm. of this week's episode of Buffy. Uh, I am helping LGBTQ young people and their families find the resources they need, find the advice they need. We just recently passed National Coming Out Day. And I was really excited. I did a compilation of all the resources that um, I've worked on with some brilliant people over the years. And, you know, it's it's fun sometimes to kind of see the the scope of the work. And there's some really good shit. So you can learn about that work that I do on my website. That's Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E dot com. You can also use that to find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Kristen Nolene, uh, and check out MyKidIsGay.com. My Kid Is Gay is a resource for parents, for loved ones, for educators, basically for anyone who knows somebody who's LGBTQIA or um, just wants to learn more about the community. Uh, there's some really great resources over there that you should check out. Uh, and that's, that's the end of my rant, Jenny. Tight rant.
2: Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BufferingCast. You can always email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com and Kristen will read it and then tell me about it.
1: Yeah, it's true. I forward Jenny some emails and tell her about others. We have a great system. I love the system. Uh, You can support us and our work. And let me say something. Um, A lot of you do support us. And it's enabling us to do some really cool shit. Holy flip. Right? Because, like, I mean, it it enables us to record. It enables us to spend time producing the show. It it lets me reach out to people and book them for interviews. But recently it's been allowing us to also book some interviews where I will be traveling to some really fun places to talk to some really fun people in the coming, uh... Ah! few months it's gonna- and that is because of the support that you give us. And it's like, it's really impactful is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you make it um, possible for us to make a better show. You do. Thank you. Truly. And um, and we're all just having the best time doing it. You can support us um, financially over on Patreon. Just go to our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Click on Patreon and you'll see that there are four different levels of giving. You get also like really cool shit for giving. You can be a part of the community, part of the secret Facebook group um, for just giving a dollar a month. At five dollars, you get the music in advance and you We'll also, get both of the songs, right? The without lyrics and the with lyrics version sure. of Hush. Sure. Um, we recently did a Buffy watch of Hush with everyone. Uh, all of these things happen in the land of Patreon. There's merchandise discount codes, there are QA videos. There's exclusive merchandise, which just shipped out just a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, really fun stuff. Um, speaking of merchandise, that's another great way to support us. We have some pretty badass stuff. I, I'm really excited about our store. Uh, we have <laughs> socks now. Um, hopefully, very soon, we're going to have the um, diner mugs back in because they sold out. So great. Uh, we have a new Buffy Forever shirt that's like on a football jersey shirt, and it's really fucking cool. I love it so much. There's a support your local ale wife. There's to support your local girl gang there's smash the demon lizard patriarchy in two designs there's a ton of shit over there you can find it by going to bufferingthevampireslayer.com and clicking on shop or store i don't remember you'll figure it out and last but not least if you don't have any money that's totally chill too go on over to itunes and rate and review us or rate and review angel on top our sister podcast about angel hosted by Brittany, Ashley, and Laura Zach. Those reviews help us a ton, especially when they're good reviews. Uh, they help us build our community, help people find the podcast, help us get written up in places like Esquire and Time, yes. which happened this year. It's been a really fun year for us, and so much of that has to do with all of you. Thanks. And till next time.
3: I've been up, up all night I've been pacing, lost and tongue-tied What's the word to reveal All the unsaid things I feel But I keep quiet Can't even try it If you knew, knew the truth Where i go at night without you If you saw, saw the scars And heard all the ugly parts Would you still want me? How it haunts me try to
0: Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna Original Podcast, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, Grim Fairy Tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the
4: show so you don't miss new episodes.